Hey, everybody, as promised, here is our special interview episode with my friend Avalon Penrose. Avalon recently had one of her comedy videos go viral on Twitter, and if you haven't seen it yet, I highly recommend going and watching it on Twitter or on YouTube because A, it is hilarious, and B, she does really great work with her physicality and her emotions and her expressions. But in case you haven't gotten a chance to do that yet, we are going to be talking about it on the show. So she has graciously agreed to let us play the audio for you here. Take a listen. So I have been seeing a lot of people online who are like, what is going on with the stock market? Is there anyone who can explain this in normal person terms? And so I decided I want to do that because like I own stocks. So I like have a pretty good understanding of the stock market. And from what I understand, there are these people who are, they have lots of money and they have hedges around their house and they go to the market, but it's like not a real market. It's a metaphor, it's metaphorical, but it's real. And they, um, they go, uh, uh uh-oh, that that company is not doing well. So I want to, I'm going to make it do worse. So they, um, they pull out some papers and they go, who want, uh, who wants to make a deal? They start making deals and they say, if the, if this price, if this company's good, if it stays, if it goes down, then I, get money from you and if it goes up then I'll give you money but uh they don't tell you that it's not it's not gonna go up I mean they will make it so it goes down but then there was this online reading club that was like well not today we want hedges too and so they took they um went into their bank accounts and then they also went to the market and they were like uh bye 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 of the company and uh changed it a lot and so now uh the initial people the hedges have to um give they have to give their hedges i think to the, um, the other people So yeah, if you have any questions, just let me know. Hi, everybody. We are Matt and Kevin, and welcome to Season 2 of the Believe in Overwatch League podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Please like, rate, and subscribe to us on all your favorite podcast platforms. You can also find us on social media at Believe in OWL and Believe.com. In this special episode, we talk to voice actor and comedian Avalon Penrose about her recent viral video and role as Megara in Haiti. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to a special episode of the Believe in Overwatch League podcast. Like we promised, um, we do have a special guest today. Um, 
besides me and Kevin, who you're probably sick of listening to at this point, uh, listening to twice a week, potentially. Um, we have Avalon Penrose on the show today. Avalon, please introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Avalon, and I am one of Matt's friends and one of Kevin's new friends, and I'm super excited to be here. Yeah, so Avalon and I met in college. I It was our... our what lab was it social psych lab oh god yeah i think maybe i can't remember i i fell asleep in all my classes and oh same, same literally didn't attend 90 percent of them so yeah i feel i feel that in my soul kevin were you one of the the class sleepers in college Oh, I was quite the opposite i had to be the uh i, I was the tryhard, and it sucked because I, I went to an art college and everyone else is sleeping and I'm the only one who's like doing okay on tests and stuff. So they bugged me for that. But uh, yeah, just, I just, I, I don't know. I don't know how they did it. It was easy. <laughs> I was like, I just closed my eyes and <laughs> woke up at the end. Uh, Masters of fast travel, I see. Um, <laughs> I went to bed. I went to sleep in every single one of my classes in senior year. Um, but there was, there was one time specifically in, I think, I think it was sophomore year when I would sleep in one of my classes. I think it was psych 100A, which is like one of the big feeder classes for psychology. And then I went to office hours one time. And the re the, when I knew it was a problem was when a girl was like, oh my God, you're the guy who falls asleep every class. And I'm like, Oh no. God dang it. Everyone notices. Okay, whatever. I don't care anymore. <laughs> I would always try to sit next to someone who I knew so they could wake me up if we had like the mid class pop quizzes on our clicker questions. And like I just would wake up in time to press a random button and then go back to sleep. <laughs> you see, I the only reason I sat up front in that class was because I was sitting with a friend and he never bothered to wake me up which is sad okay i would wake you up i would wake you up fool um okay anyway so the the reason why we have asked you on our show is because um if a lot of you like i mentioned this briefly in the last one but like the the whole gamestop debacle happened and that's like rather pertinent to the gaming world and this is a Mm -hmm. on its uh, it should be a gaming podcast but it's usually a podcast for me and kevin just talk about random things that we feel like talking about at the time (laughs) um so i don't know if you understand the actually understand the gamestop stuff and the wall street stuff better than we do like in your video you're like i actually own stock so i can explain this and i'm like i'm sitting there like oh of course, Avalon would would know how to do stocks. She she does all these things. She's she's a writer, comedian, actor, UCLA grad. Of, of course, she she would know this. I'm gonna learn something today, and it's just like, <laughs> oh, this she th- she's being her comedian. It's this is fantastic and funny. Um, Thank you. So, how how well do you actually understand what's going on with with the GameStop stuff? I mean, well, it's funny because I didn't know it that well when I made the video. I knew it enough to comment on it. But since then, I've now been on like economics podcasts and 
interviewed by, you know, people in the economics world who have helped explain it to me. And it's now I feel like I have a very good understanding of what happened, but it's still hilarious to me that, you know, it's so inaccessible for a lot of people to understand how the stock market works and how hedge funds get away with doing the things that they did in this case, um, trying to drive a company into the ground effectively. Uh, and then it, it's just like a group of people who are like, not on our watch. We're going to, we're going to make this backfire and blow up in your face. And so that's, I feel like that's the gist of it. I mean, it's, it's not as complicated as I made it seem, but I do think <laughs> it is still complicated. <laughs> with, with the online reading club and then the people with their hedges. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know. I don't know. I literally didn't play on that video at all. I had no idea that uh -huh. it was going to lead to what it led to. I didn't know people were going to like it or think it was funny. It was just a stupid video that I decided to post. <laughs> so you woke up on the morning that all this went down and explain to me your thought process of like, Oh, I, I'm going to make a, a funny video about this as opposed to all the people failing at explaining this to me right now. <laughs> well, so I think, I mean, I think you you follow me on Instagram, right, Matt? Yeah. Like, yeah. do you know how I, I've always had this kind of character that just is a disaster, doesn't have her life together, but tries to... You mean to... the rest of our millennial people? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's why I call myself a normal person in the, in this video, because I think that even though it's obviously an exaggerated character of like someone who's just can't get it together, I do think it is funny because it's very relatable. A lot of people don't, don't know what's going on. So that is like background on why that is kind of the character that I chose to approach it from. But... I was literally just in my car and I actually posted a different video of me singing because um, I was trying to like sing in my car to myself before I decided to film this video. But I like hated every video that I recorded of me singing and I was like, whatever, I'm just going to go on Twitter. So I go on Twitter and I start looking at all the videos and I see people trying to explain the stock market, like actually trying because that was the day where it was really, really taking off and things were, you know, everyone was confused people were trying to explain it and I couldn't find one I couldn't really even find a good explanation of it but I also couldn't find anyone doing it through a comedy lens yeah uh -huh. and I was like oh it'd be so funny to have people think that I was actually doing a good explainer and then I, I thought you were going to do a good explainer <laughs> and so yeah that's that's what it, that's what I thought and I literally did it in one take. I didn't plan anything. I just like crumbled midway and I was like authentically confused too. I was like, I actually have no idea where I'm at, but I'm just going to keep playing it off. <laughs> I'm just going to keep trying. <laughs> and then when does it start? So when do you realize it's getting big? Well, so obviously I didn't have a very big Twitter following. I had... Uh, so, you know, I'm the voice of Meg in Hades. And so I had this awesome group of followers from Hades, people who loved Supergiant and loved the game. And I'd been, you know, having a pretty good online relationship with my um, followers and stuff for the past couple of months. Oh my God, do you hear that bird outside? It's like aggressive. Sorry. I have a, 
I have construction trucks outside my house. I'm like, what is this bird doing? Um, <laughs> sorry. So I have had like some videos kind of, you know, get some views, like 20,000, 50,000, whatever. And so that felt huge to me when those would happen because of the the group of Hades people. And so then this video, it started taking off like a little quicker than any other video I'd ever posted, but it was still mainly Hades people and mm-hmm. Hades people being like, Meg, Meg's funny. Like who would have thought? <laughs> <laughs> and, and then all of a sudden I started noticing that it was like exponentially growing, like it would get one retweet and then all of a sudden like 25 would show up and then it started just really growing and then I started getting texts from people being like wait is this you or this person I uh went to middle school with just retweeted you or this famous author whose book is on my coffee table just retweeted you and I'm like what the hell is happening like I had no idea and I was just at work and as you know I I, I kind of um like I, I work with a child who doesn't care about anything that I do he doesn't care he doesn't think I'm cool no matter what so I'm trying to tell him <laughs> I was like hey um I have a video that's kind of like starting to grow right now like it I might be going viral like I made it as a joke And he was like, how many views do you have? And I was like, I have 30,000. And he goes, that's nothing. And then (laughs) I was like, all right, cool. Let's go back to history. Um, And and so it was kind of funny because he put me in my place immediately. I was very humbled. And I was like, who do I think I am? I'm not going viral. Like, I might get 500,000 views, maybe. And then all of a sudden. It's not a Minecraft video. You're not Ninja Avalon. I know. Literally, (laughs) that's it. That's the real fact is that I'm not a famous Twitch streamer and that therefore I do not matter in his eyes but yeah so it's yeah and then it just started exploding and then I don't even know I don't even know how it got to where it did but it did and I I just I don't know and then Elon Musk happens yeah and that was a wild ride I had no idea it was like all of a sudden I'm just on Twitter And then I just like see a bunch of people suddenly being mean to me. And like for the first part, like for the first couple of hours, everyone was nice. You know, people Mm -hmm. were like, they got it. People understood the joke, uh, but they were playing along with it. But then I started getting this influx of people being like, you clearly don't understand what's happening. Like the stock market is uh, maybe a little too complicated for you, lady. And all the, and I was like, who the fuck brought like these people in? Like who is the one that uh, introduced this crowd? And it was Elon Musk. And I don't know uh-huh. why or how he founded it. And it's just, I mean, he responded and I was like, well, I don't want to like, give him the glory of of you know everyone started being like you were nothing before elon commented on your post or whatever and i was like well fuck him then and so i commented back i was kind of like you know not that nice and then he commented back and we had like a back and forth it was really wild and i was just like why is this happening but now here we are maybe i'll go visit spacex (laughs) i mean like i 
the the initial response from Elon I, that I thought I thought it was pretty funny, and so I think <laughs> I don't know that that's so weird that like you would think that that someone as big as Elon Musk would be cool, but then it brings his like I don't know what it is about Elon, but he has he has both like a really cool fan base and a really toxic fan base. Well, yeah, because he's so famous. When you get to that level, you it's inevitable that you're going to have some people who are horrible that follow you and some people that are cool. And I think that he's, you know, he has kind of like a young tech bro spirit, I think. Uh And so that culture alone can have positive people and negative people. And so like him making a joke is something that some people think is like the coolest thing in the world that he could have done. Like they just think, he's a saint for making a joke on like a random girl's post but to me i'm like yeah whatever like it's not that big i mean it's a huge cool thing that happened but it's not like everyone's shocked i get messages like i cannot believe that he responded to you like it is so weird he he never does this and i'm like well i don't know like Uh it's not that weird i it's i mean it's kind of i didn't expect it to happen but whatever i'll take it like i don't know i just have been like I guess that I'm special then. <laughs> I guess that he's uh he found me for a reason. Yeah. Um and so I was always going to ask you to to come on and talk about this because I've been following you since I don't know how long since I knew that you had a Twitter. Um but then news outlets start picking up on this. Like how does <laughs> how how does that flood happen? And, and what are what are you feeling when like my friend Christy from the LA Times, or no, wrote a part, a piece about you. Um, yeah. So how how does that happen, and how how many places have you done things so far just from this? Well, so I started getting like a lot of DMs, and I didn't realize that that was how people who are legit reporters would reach out to me. <laughs> but it is. And I've so, done it. Guilty. <laughs> yeah. But I, I didn't I didn't know that. So I was happy that I kind of kept my DMs open because it, it allowed me a lot of opportunities to connect with people. And so I actually got so someone told Christy about my video and and I guess Christy knew that I had like mutual friends with her. So she got my number from someone because obviously the UCLA connections. Mm -hmm. And so she reached out to me, did that interview. And then that LA Times article that she wrote got syndicated into like Yahoo. And then like other people did write-ups without interviewing me, like Newsweek all of a sudden put something out. And I was like, what the hell is happening? Like, why is this ticking off? I had an interview with the Wall Street Journal that's coming out, I think, today. Or maybe it came out yesterday. I have no idea. I haven't seen it yet. Um, and it's just like, why on earth am I actually having legitimate, I think it's because people assume that I, like, in order to have made an effective parody, I, I did have to know enough about the stock market or that, like, I actually do take it seriously, but I don't think that that's, uh, accurate. (laughs) I don't think that I actually know, um, enough to offer insight into, the market and what's going on but uh-huh. i've tried and when people have asked do you actually own stock i do i own i'm like i literally own three stocks three total <laughs> i've always wanted to but I've, i have no idea where to start so um 
I wish someone had told me to to get on in this GameStop thing when it started. I know. Then it's starting, I think it's even making bank. Yeah. yeah. People I feel like the interest out. in it has been has it's had its like big swing and its big rise, and now it, people are just kind of starting to to move to something new. Yeah, I mean, we live in the 21st century when things matter for truly three days. That's why I was shocked that like people were still you know retweeting my thing after like almost a week because it doesn't matter like it's so irrelevant now (laughs) everything lasts three days four days maybe and then Mm -hmm. it's like all right next what's the next big thing that everyone's going to talk about and so that's like one thing I I thought was really interesting but I was shocked that the GameStop hold did last as long as it did but I'm not surprised that it's starting to crumble now yeah and a lot of people are losing money and it's it's sad because um you know it's it's normal people losing money instead of just the hedge funds but the hedge funds also got hit real hard and so i think that a lot of people that was all they wanted was to kind of stick it to the man yeah like losing billions of dollars in these hedge funds it's hard for me to conceptualize the the b in that that billions and the losses i know i mean these hedge funds apparently are close to bankrupt or whatever. And, you know, it's all shady and the things they do are pretty awful and hurt businesses, especially businesses that are already taking a down tail trajectory. And I think that, I think that it's um, hopefully going to teach them a lesson to not be so pompous and presumptive because they know that now that there's a little mini army of people on the internet willing to sacrifice a lot to bring them down. Mm-hmm. I think well, I think for me, like one of the good things that has happened out of there are a couple of good stories that I've seen. First of all, like your your video is one of my favorite things that come out of this, and you're already, you're sitting at like what four hundred eighty eight thousand likes, ninety seven thousand retweets, eleven thousand comments just on uh, Twitter. Um, which is like, I, those numbers, dude, huge congratulations. Um, but there's also the one that I saw about the kid who like, before this even happened, he had bought GameStop stocks for his birthday. And now he's got a couple thousand in the bank and he's like, what, like six years old, 10 years old. I don't know something around there. And there's the dude who like, who cat, who bought in on this and like cashed out and like bought a bunch of Nintendo switches to send to a children's hospital. So, wow. It's, it's, it's not all just doom and gloom and people from a from these hedge funds and the internet reading group going at war (laughs) it is like a lot of people had emotional investment in it and felt very proud to have been a part of it and like get something out of it and do good with it something that you know these big companies do get a lot of money out of it but they don't do anything good with their money they just make Mm -hmm. more money and give people who have money more money yeah and so you posted another video this morning right Uh, yes (laughs) explain to us that video for for our friends who haven't seen it yet um and and what the process was and thoughts were like going into that one you know pretty much since the day i posted my first video i've been getting nonstop messages being like 
hope it's going to feel uh, good to be a one hit wonder, blah, blah, blah. People being like, you better start thinking of your next viral video or you'll become irrelevant by the end of the week. All these things. And I'm like, oh my God, this is literally so dumb. Like, are you kidding me, people? I have no interest in trying to like keep finding that next viral video because I know myself and if I try to force myself to have ideas and and put pressure on myself I'm not going to create content that I like and so I I tried actually like two days ago I was like kind it was starting to get to me like oh my god I really should make another video and so I tried to record another video two days ago and it was not good and I was like oh my god I, I, I lost it. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be able to do it. And I was all nervous. And I was like, okay, Evelyn, it's been five days. Like, you literally don't have to do something that doesn't feel right. So I just didn't post it. And then I just started thinking and I, and I was like, okay, if it comes to me, it'll come to me. And then I realized that we have, you know, a big football game coming up. And I was like, oh, dude, I don't know anything about football. That's like another thing I could authentically talk about and not know anything. And so that's what I did. I, I made a post about Super Bowl Sunday and, uh, and my thoughts on football and what it is. And so far, I just posted it like an hour ago and it's, it's doing pretty well so far in terms of engagement. But I, I'm happy because uh, a lot of people are like, Oh, you know, they, they seem to be happy that the character made a comeback because I don't mm-hmm. want to try to overdo this character either. And I do want to yeah. try to explore other characters. And more than anything, rather than feeling the pressure, I'm trying to see it as such an opportunity to explore more characters and explore cool things that I I otherwise didn't have a, a platform, you know, to test to test material out on and stuff. And even though Twitter is, there's a lot of pressure because it's so immediate and I can get immediate feedback and immediate commentary. I also can't always like take things down if, if they aren't working or I could just kind of like test it out there and then be like, oh, that didn't work. So I'll think of it differently for the next time. I don't know. So it's, it's just kind of been an interesting experience because I gained a lot of um, followers from the first video. And so because of that, I did feel a little bit of, uh, you know, an obligation to keep posting and in a way that maybe I didn't before because I was like, mm-hmm. I didn't have an audience that was as large as it is now. So it's just been a learning experience over the past week. How, how do you, how do you, one of the things that Kevin and I talk about a lot here is like the toxicity uh, and misogyny in, in internet culture. And it's like, how how are you able to to like push through that because like whenever for me whenever people say something bad about me on the internet like i take it to heart um where do you where are you able to find that kind of fortitude to push through it all well i think that maybe my ego has gotten a lot stronger because i've there were times in my life where I would post something and it would get negative feedback and I would cry and I'd be like, oh my God, people don't get it. My humor isn't funny like uh, enough because not every single person is getting it. And like there was a time where I posted, I don't know if you remember, I posted a Billie Eilish parody and mm-hmm. I thought it was you know, very representative of my humor and the things I, it was just a really fun, silly music video I wrote and I posted and it 
I took it off of Instagram because it got in the hands of like diehard Billie Eilish fans who started like sending me hate mail and just saying that I wasn't funny and that they like saw what I was trying to do but it wasn't good and I was just so sad and it was it was not a positive experience it felt very negative and I felt like I put myself on the line you know you you put yourself out there yeah you're like ah you know hopefully people get it and like not enough people um like were actively supporting it as there were actively against it but like so I just took it off and I was like dude I can't handle it I can't handle people being that mean to me but then you know that was like over a year ago and since then I've learned so much about myself and come to know that not everyone's gonna get what you do and as long as you're approaching things from a place of good intention of trying to like you know, spread a positive message, make people laugh, whatever. Like not everyone's going to get it, especially if you're commenting on like a, on something that people are diehard fans of like Billie Eilish, you know, it's, I was going up against a lot of 13, 14, 15 year old girls that one didn't understand the message I was trying to get across (laughs) on the video. And two, um, you know, we're just big Billie Eilish fans. But like on this video, for instance, I was talking about the stock market And I had my fair share of people who were commenting, thinking I was being serious. But to me, it's just easy enough for me to be like, all right, those people are fucking dumb. If they don't get that this is satire, then bye. Like As soon as you mentioned hedges, it's like, okay, (laughs) okay, she got me. Thank you. I mean, (laughs) I was, I didn't know how to, I don't know how to spell it out better for people than like clearly it's so obvious I'm not being serious but some people I mean I could get how people could fall for it in the first 30 seconds but it clearly derails like I just the fact but that's what I also think is like if people don't get it that means that they probably only watched the first 30 seconds and thought stupid girl can't even like talk she can't even get the words out I honestly thought it was just a really clever idea like <laughs> um especially when it came to like building a character in in that kind of way and expressing yourself and i i understand putting yourself out out there um i get that a lot especially um i would say right now of of all times when i'm trying to break into a different like a different field for what am i doing it's too early my brain is just like dead (laughs) um but um breaking breaking into a different field for um esports commentary like a Mm -hmm. lot of people compare you to the people who they always see and then you know it always comes down to trying to prove them wrong and saying like i can do what i do the best and if you like it that's fine if not you know uh just tough it out i'm I'm just trying i'm trying out here comparison is the worst and when you start letting comparison get to you it just reminds me that like there's nobody out there that is successful right now that didn't go through a period of being compared to someone else first Mm -hmm. and then somehow pushing through that and then having maybe you know a mediocre couple of years of being like in but not the best and then they get to be the best you know and I think that a lot of people discredit that because we live in a culture where 
sometimes people will not know anything that someone does and then all they see is like the time when they've already become really successful but even like you know it's esports how long has esports been around like it hasn't been that long right it's like 10 15 years yeah 10 15 years would probably be wait hold on when when did starcraft start (laughs) all i know is that like because it's so new, you're going to have the people who've been there since the beginning that are just like originalists, you know, they want nothing to change ever because they've been able to witness it from the very beginning. But I think that it's inherent that things are going to change, that there's going to be turnover, all this stuff. So I hope that you don't get discouraged at all because I know that gaming industry is interesting too you know they're they're just like with every industry there are some really good people in it and some really bad people in it and it's just interesting you know I did I did one thing kind of in the esports world where I I did this like modeling thing for the Overwatch League Hmm. wait what how did I not know this (laughs) I, I did um like it was so I posed in like the uh the Bruin, boston not not Bruins. wait what was what's her name boston, boston uprising Overwatch. up yeah boston uprising so geez sorry um yeah i did like a whole photo shoot thing where i was with a bunch of famous esports people and i was not a famous esports person but for some reason i was also a part of the shoot and i got to meet like really cool people in the esports world and i um it was like the jerseys were designed by this guy named Jeff Staple, who does like Staple Staple Pigeon. I'm pretty sure his brand. Yeah, is. we've talked about this. Yeah, and I met him, and I like got to know him and the whole crew, and it was like really interesting. So I just was kind of thrown into that that industry for a sec, and then never went back. Never met any of them ever again. Never really talked to any of them ever again. But everyone was like nice but a lot of the esports guys have like huge egos it's pretty wild oh my god is that is that you with like oh my god i found the i think i found the photo are you in like ripped jeans yes Yes. oh my god (laughs) oh my god so this actually did turn this this episode does have an overwatch league connection that i was back baby oh my god how did (laughs) Okay, uh, this huh? it's just like when I found out that you're in things. It's like it's always just mind blowing to me. It's like, oh my god, I went to college with this friendo, and like she's big. Holy crap! <laughs> space Cute. buns, dude. Look at those space buns. I'm still in shock. Back again. Uh, okay, <laughs> Kevin, <laughs> that say it all something. Came back to the Kevin, say something while I while I while I get over my shock. All right. Yeah, it not the San Francisco shock. <laughs> It's like our typical podcast. We tend to start off with some random thing and then all of a sudden find where the Overwatch part comes in. Uh, Yeah. But yeah, it's pretty, it's really cool that there's a lot of connections between, you know, esports. I did look it up. Um, Okay. Starcraft started in 2003. Um, Oh, wow. So yeah, almost 20 years. Yeah. It was really funny too because I remember actually I wonder if they still have the picture but there was like an old gaming land where there was like not enough chairs so they like duct tape a dude to like the roof. I, th- I think oh. there was a thing for that. 
Yeah, that's the, is that what they were making fun of in um South Park? I I think so. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Back then you would only play for like very small prizes. Usually it was just like pizza it wasn't or wasn't a multi-million dollar industry at that point. Yeah, it was just like a we we're hanging out, we're we're just placing small friendly bets against each other and then see where it goes from there. But now that it's become something big, like I know Dota 2 because that's where I kind of originated my esports, like my love for esports. And their prize pool is like uh, 32.2 million or something like that. It's insane. Lord. Well, yeah, they just, they're all f- donated. I wouldn't say donated, but like essentially there's like a $10 in game item. And then half of that is put into the prize pool immediately. And the rest of it helps wow. the company build the event. So, um, you know, either get merch, fly the players out, all that stuff, get get all the logistics together. But yeah. uh, it's it's insane to know that, you know, you have a fan base that's willing to fund the biggest tournament uh, for your players. And it, it's all it's all a community thing. I mean, there there's so much money that people spend on video games in general that I sometimes don't think about. Like, you know, I I was recently like starting to think about how crazy it is that you know I even get paid to like be in a video game I'm like this is crazy like how is it that like they're able to pay me this much for like so little of my time and I'm like oh yeah I forget this is literally a huge industry and people spend bank and they love video games and they like want to just buy everything in the game so that they could be the best and and for some people like that's what makes them happy so i'm like i gotta let that happen i need to just let it go it's just an industry with a lot of money and a lot of people that participate in it and so it's like on average even if everyone's you know like some of these games that are free to purchase but they get by on in in app or in game purchases and that's like crazy to me i'm like oh my God, I could never imagine spending money on the inside of a game, but it's because I'm like not a good gamer. And uh-huh. therefore I'm like, I would feel like any money I spent would be a complete waste. But yeah. So perfect segue into, into the gaming part of it. But like Kevin is the one who introduced me to Hades. Uh, and I remember playing and it's like, this is, this game is awesome. This is fantastic. And then I hit the credits. And then just like you heard me right now, <laughs> lose my mind i'm like I, I hit the credits and i saw your name and it's like oh my god is you That's and then it, so it just funny. clicked in my head and it's like i can hear it now it's totally avalon um That's but how scary. how did that happen how did that come about and what was the process of recording all the voice lines and working on hades like yeah it was amazing everything that Supergiant does is so lovely and they're just amazing people and I ended up getting connected to them because I was doing comedy in LA at an improv theater and this one girl who I was doing improv with that we were in the same class she's like hey you're a voice actress right and I was like uh I mean yeah but I'd only done one indie animation that one which was fantastic it's I loved it it's so good thank you (laughs) but that was my first thing I ever did and you know it was 
it wasn't anything big. It was just a, an indie animator who's super talented and we worked very closely together. I played, you know, all the female characters. He played the male characters and, and like we had one other person come on. It was very, very small. And so I was like, yeah, I'm a voice actor. <laughs> like I kind of told people that even though I had no yeah. credits. I mean, like whenever, and- whenever my friend gets done with animating, she's doing it by herself too. Like you'll have two voice credits besides yeah. like, videos to your name besides this. Exactly. And so, you know, you just have to fake it till you make it. And so basically I was like, yeah, I'm a voice actor. Why? And she's like, oh, because, you know, um, I was a voice in this game called Pyre with this company called Supergiant and they're casting for their next game right now and she goes and I'm reading for some roles and they asked if I knew any other uh, girl voice actors who might be able to do it and so I was like "Uh, yeah sure and so I recorded my auditions on my phone because I didn't have a mic I didn't have anything and I ended up getting you know I, I auditioned for I think four characters five maybe and got uh asked to read for Megara one more time and I did like another read for that and eventually they were just like yeah we think that you have uh, the right voice for for this character and then this was back in 2018 or maybe maybe 2019 and no it had to be 2018 so they fly me up to San Francisco and I was like oh my gosh like I thought this was the coolest thing ever that I was like going somewhere to record and so I, I recorded up there. We had a few hour session. I had no idea what Supergiant was. They obviously have always had a really dedicated fan base, but they'd never had anything that blew up in the way Hades did. Um, and so for two years on and off, I would go up to San Francisco, record for a day and then come back uh, once every maybe six months. And then it just came out officially last fall. And that was when everything really, I started to realize like, geez this is this game's actually really cool to and it really I mean I always knew it was cool but it's just like actually people are realizing how cool it is and more and it's getting in the hands of more people and more people are playing and responding to it and I and I just thought that was the most amazing thing and it's it's awesome you know voice acting is a hard thing to break into and I feel so lucky that I was given such a cool opportunity to start and it's opened up other doors for me. I, I did just record another video game yesterday, which I think is going to be cool. And, and I'm just like hoping that it continues and I can get to do other stuff. I really want to do motion capture and all the other types of gaming tech that's available now for actors. And so, yeah. What's it been like uh, interacting with the community around Hades? Because I know you were talking about that earlier, how you have like there's a really close core group that really likes to interact with you on Twitter. Oh, I love it so much. I mean, everyone has been so positive, so nice. There are so many talented artists that send fan art and and do incredible, beautiful versions of the characters in their own style. And, you know, I have a lot of support um, from the LGBTQ plus community because there are there's a lot of overlap between the people that love Hades and the people that are like a part of or in in support of the LGBTQ plus community and I and I've had like great interactions with people about the you know the handling of different identities in the game and how maybe they're not explicitly stated but 
they have characters in Hades that are that like everyone that romance anyone regardless of what that character's gender is and mm -hmm. they have characters that um you know provide some representation for people who might be um asexual you know or or not want to be involved in romantic relationships and so i think it's just cool people have seen themselves in different ways in the game and we've all been able to talk about that after what's been your well i think there's, i should save this question um kevin anything from you not really i'm just <laughs> absorbing it all yeah um how does how does voice acting how did I, I know you said you've only done really you haven't done a lot in the voice acting space but how does how does voice acting for a video game differ for you than voice acting from something in like an animated short film versus like acting in person and doing improv like you do yeah so voice acting for a video game i feel like obviously i do have a an input when it comes to the character and and what the character's voice is and, and their characterization but i feel a really big obligation when when acting in a video game to uh live up to what they want from the character like mm -hmm. i've i try to remove myself a or not try but i think i unintentionally remove myself and my um you know because you're reading one line at a time you aren't really digging into paragraphs you're not uh you're not acting face to face with someone else and so it, it's it's an interesting experience of acting in that you're acting on a line by line basis you don't have a lot of context all the time mm -hmm. and it's more so really knowing that character and trying to know exactly what the developers want from that character and what the audience who plays that game might want from that character whereas in an animation where you might get to be there from the beginning of development and see like you might be the lead like I wasn't the lead of of Hades I was a supporting character who was serving that story but in in the animation um in the animations that I've, I've voiced you feel more of an obligation to put more of yourself in because you're like okay I'm reading lines paragraphs sometimes I haven't, and I'm the person that's supposed to be driving this narrative. Of course, you have the animation and the art style as well, but they both, I think, have a, like a very much a supportive relationship. Like they are, they can't exist without the other. Whereas I feel like video games could exist in some ways without the video, without the voice. Um, mm -hmm. And in an animation where it's like central around a character that I'm voicing, I feel like, okay, I can really treat this almost like I'm acting in person I can give it some character some flair like experiment lines can go completely different ways you might be reading off of someone else um so it's a little more natural feeling it's just it's a very different experience um but again you're still in front of a mic so you don't have full physical freedom and stuff and I and I do have a very kind of physical presence when I speak I, I move a lot and I talk and I show a lot through my body so it is cool to be a voice actor and try to train still showing uh, levels and emotion with just my voice mm -hmm. but with acting in person I find that I it's really interesting you you feel like you become a lot more self-conscious you know you're very aware like is this is the camera capturing the right angle is am I delivering this 
um, technically correctly to, you know, working with the camera as well as am I still doing a good job acting and acting against my scene partner and all these things. So they each have ups and, and downs and, and pros and cons. And I think that it's cool that I've been able to have chances to do all of them. And I've loved everything that I've been able to do. I've never done a project that I was like, that was horrible. <laughs> like I've learned from everything and I've gotten to experiment and do cool things with every project. And I know we're running close to the end of the hour that we said, um, but I, I I have to go back to this because I'm still like, I I didn't, going back to the Overwatch thing before we end, I have to ask you about yes. it just because this is an Overwatch League podcast, but like, you mentioned briefly a little bit what it was like, but like, could you like how how what was it like being in, in the room with during this shoot and with all the stars and like just doing that shoot because we we did talk about the um the release of the the staple merch when it came out. So I, I'm just curious if you can provide so any funny. perspective about what it's like doing an Overwatch modeling shoot. Yeah, it was so much fun. I mean, uh, the whole team. I'm still in contact with like one or two people who were like the director of the shoot and uh another model that was there because it was like maybe 25 percent people who were hired as models and then 75 percent actual gamers yeah uh the actual overwatch players and so i never was like in the group shots i wasn't included as part of those i was um i think that those were mainly for the actual professional gamers but it was cool. I got to like hang out with them and the team behind the photo shoot was so cool. They asked me, you know, while I was getting ready, they're like, what do you feel comfortable in? What do you, what vibe do you give off? Because they, um, you know, they kind of helped. I mean, they kind of let me decide what kind of character I wanted to bring to the shoot. And I kind of wanted that kind of skater rocker-ish vibe. And so they like played Blink-182 and, you know, they're like doing all this, having me dance and, and everyone was really cool. And it was just fun to get to, um, they did that with everyone. They let everyone decide what music they wanted to listen to or like what vibe they wanted in their shoot. And so it's cool getting to hear everyone's music choices and, you know, seeing people who aren't necessarily models, like these Overwatch players aren't models, but they're being made to feel comfortable so that they can pose and, and feel confident in these in this apparel that they get to wear and so it is it was really cool it was honestly one of my first times ever modeling for a brand um and it was sweet I don't even know how I got the job truly I literally <laughs> can't remember all of a sudden I just I actually think I rejected it at first because I had another project that I had filmed until uh 3 a.m I was on until 3 a.m the previous night and so I rejected the project because it was starting at 8 a.m. the next day. And I had to go back to the other project the next day at 3 p.m. So, But I ended up doing it because they came back after I said I couldn't do it. And they were like, no, please. And I was like, oh, okay. And so I had I worked until 3, got up at 6, drove to the place, shot from 8 to 1, drove back, and then shot my other project from 3 to 1 p.m. or 1 a.m. Oh, dear so Lord. It was a, that was a wild weekend i'm pretty sure it was a saturday <laughs> they really wanted you dang. i was like okay um last totally. two things for me i swear and then i'll let you he got work to go to unlike me and kevin i'm just gonna go back to sleep <laughs> um what have been your favorite parts about the 
about the the viral GameStop explanation you did and about being Megara in Hades. Mm. I think my favorite part is actually something that happened because of both of them, which is the people who only knew me as Megara were like, wait, Avalon's a comedian? And then when it's funny, because most people who know me personally only know me as a comedian. You know, a lot of people don't know me as an actress or a voice uh-huh. actress, um, especially, and they don't know that I'm in a video game, you know. <laughs> so I, I knew you as the comedian. World. Yeah. And so most people who knew me before Hades knew me only as a comedian. And because of that, they've maybe gone to my Twitter and been like, wait, why is she sharing all this stuff about this video game? Wait, is she a voice actress? Wait, whoa. And then people reach out to me being like, I found your stocks video, but I also realized you were in a voice actress. That's so cool. Like all this stuff. So it's just been like this interesting synthesis of my worlds finally beginning to kind of align again. Like mm-hmm. the community that I developed on Twitter was only around Hades. And I saw so many comments being like, whoa meg's a comedian or, or like things like that and i'm just like how strange that people didn't know that but also i never really showed anyone that you know i never told anyone that yeah. if they went and looked up my name maybe they could have found it but it's just interesting you know to see um to see how people respond and and it kind of blows people's mind when people do authentically do more than one thing um and i have people being like okay so what are you? What are you? Are you an actor, comedian, musician, a writer? What are you? And I'm like, I, th- I think I'm all of them. Yes. And I think like I'm allowed to be. You don't have to pick just one. My whole life I was told if I wanted to be a successful actress, I had to only be an actress. And I, I had to dedicate all my life to it. And I'm like, nah, I disagree. I think that you can do a ton of stuff and eventually they'll all find a way to to come together and and they'll each have their moment in the light. And then maybe it'll switch to another one at some point. And so that's what I've kind of learned about this whole experience. And you are living proof that that is possible. <laughs> Final question, where can people Sorry. find you? So uh, I'm on Instagram and Twitter and YouTube. And my name is Avalon Penrose on all of them. I have the same little handle. Thank goodness, because <laughs> it would be very confusing for me, I think. Um, I think it's good because I have a, well, I have an seo name it's very optimized but yeah so it's it's pretty easy if you just like look up on any of those my first and last name avalon penrose just really excited that we were able to interview you avalon thank you for coming on to the show yeah. and thank uh, you for having me it's just really good insight like from not only we we only know it from like the gaming aspect of it for the most part it's just you know but there's also a lot more things um that go into not just esports in general but just gaming in general um i i think that a lot of parents especially my parents and a couple of my friends parents as well only think of gaming as like oh you're sitting there at a desk uh Mm -hmm. just (laughs) clicking away at a keyboard and having fun there but um they don't realize that there's a bunch of other like positions that come along with it um it's not just you're the gamer um there's also you know there's music there's voice acting there's merchandise and all that stuff comes together um especially for a project that people are passionate about so it's really cool to see you know every different angle 
that comes into you know the industry that we all know and love yeah i agree i think it's it's so it has so many levels and so much depth and so many people who are voice actors are also big gamers and twitch streamers and all these things and especially nowadays you can make money doing it it can be an occupation and even though it is it may appear you know antisocial to people who aren't part of your community like like your family and stuff might see that you're just online all the time people have real communities real friendships that form through games and gaming and i think that it's important to acknowledge that and have parents know that because it's where people make friends <laughs> oh yeah internet friends are, are can be real friends all right. Well, thank you that everybody that was Avalon Penrose, uh, voice actor, comedian, actor, musician, uh, my former psych lab partner um, and a new friend of the show. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you both. I appreciate it. Thanks everyone for listening. All right. Thanks guys for tuning in. We will be back with you next week with our normally scheduled content. Hope you liked that and have a great rest of the week. Next week, we'll scour the internet and update you on any news from the world of Overwatch. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you like what you hear, please like, rate, and subscribe to us on all your favorite podcast platforms and follow us on all social media at Believe in OWL. Questions or comments? Please send us an email at believeinowl at gmail.com. If you'd like to advertise with our show, please contact our network at believe.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.